This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. The Bigger Picture on BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon and welcome to Front Row Under the MCO where we bring you our daily suggestions on things that you can consume from home. Uh, you know, think all things arts, entertainment and culture, of course. I'm Sharmila Ganesan and together with me is Dashan Yohan. Uh, and our first suggestion for today uh, harks back to a time before podcasts, before audiobooks. Um, and, you know, back to kind of our roots, I suppose, uh, the humble radio play. Uh, who can forget the infamous tale um, of, you know, how back in 1938, Orson Welles' uh, The War of the Worlds was broadcast on CBS radio and the drama was so believable that it convinced some listeners that an alien invasion was actually taking place. Wow. Yeah, so radio plays have been described as auditory in the physical dimension but equally powerful as a visual force in the psychological dimension. Um, and I think that's a great way of describing it. You know, radio drama achieved widespread popularity within a decade of um, its initial development back in the 1920s and by the 1940s radio plays were actually a leading form of international entertainment uh, with the advent of television in the 1950s of course uh, radio drama lost some of its popularity and in some countries has never really regained that large audience that it used to have mm. but in the united kingdom though radio plays are still very popular and bbc's radio Four still broadcasts a new production almost every day and the station's online archives are full of treasures. Mm -hmm. The station also has eco-thrillers, rom-coms, contemporary dramas and modern spins on Greek mythology to sift through. Recent highlights include uh, recent highlight include The Man with the Golden Gun, adapted from Ian Fleming's 1965 James Bond novel and starring Toby Stevens as the British spy and Guillermo Diaz as the international assassin Francisco Scaramanga. As we wait for live theatre performances to return, now is the chance to dip into what audio drama is already out there. Well, that is a whole new take on James Bond, isn't it? <laughs> uh, but being the history lovers that we are here, something that really caught our eye was the radio play uh, by the pe- were the radio plays by the Penny Dreadfuls, um, and they are a British sketch comedy troupe that consists of comedians Humphrey Kerr, David Reed, and Tom Tuck. So the trio first met as students. Um, when they were in the University of Edinburgh through the student comedy troupe The Improverts in 2001. I love that name. Uh, and The Penny Dreadfuls Present is a series of comic plays on the BBC Radio 4 presented by them. And originally, each episode of their initial radio show looked at a different Faversham brother. Um, and they were the sons of Kentish aristocrats Sir Digby Faversham and his wife, Lady Alexandra, the British Empire's sexiest, deadliest and most pregnant secret agent. Mm. Um, and <laughs> And from fighting wars to solving crimes, uh, to great explorers, to amazing magicians, there's not one field that the brothers fail to impress in. And you can find those episodes on the BBC Radio 4 website. And since 2009, the troupe have been recording a series of plays on various historical subjects. Their first play covered the life of Guy Fawkes. Their second in 2011 covered the French Revolution. And their third covered the forgotten English rebel, Hereward the Wake. And in 2014, they presented their tale, their tale Macbeth, Rebothered. And in 2015, their new story took on Homer's Odyssey with guest star Robert Webb. 
they are irreverent to say the least. And here's a short clip from Odyssey with characters Zeus and Athena setting the tone for the adventure ahead. Father, I need to speak to you. Athena, what is it? I'm very busy transforming into various virile animals. <laughs> it's about Odysseus. Oh, not this again. I released him from the clutches of that ghastly Calypso woman for you. What more do you want? For you to send him home. His kingdom is falling apart without him. <laughs> and what makes you think I can do something about it? You're Zeus, king of the gods. You can do loads of things about it. Oh, yes, that's a good point. <laughs> and could you not be a goose while I'm talking to you? It's very distracting. Hey, I'll be whatever aquatic bird I feel like being, thank you very much. You know, your uncle is still very cross with Odysseus. I can't do anything more without invoking his wrath. But... Uh, nor should you. Family comes first. In fact, I forbid you from indulging in any more of your meddling. You can't do that. Oh, can't I? Go to your room. Dad, I'm thousands of years old. I'm not six. Oh, yes. All right. Go to somebody else's room. <laughs> Possibly disguised as a sexy duck. Father, this is serious. Oh, I've never been more serious. You do not anger the gods and then get a free pass. No. From this day forth, Odysseus is on his own, wherever he's got to. <laughs> I love that. But we must warn you, this play is not for younger audiences and some of the conversation can be quite risque. Uh, but if you're looking for a quick and quirky refresher of Homer's Odyssey in 60 minutes, well, you can, uh, you know, you can do much worse than this. Do check this play out and you can expect an hour of ri a purely riotous entertainment as they romp through ancient Greece following Odysseus's many encounters, including, of course, the sirens, the cyclops on his epic 20-year journey home. Mm, and the <laughs> troupe have also presented other tales such as The Curse of the Beagle about Charles Darwin and in 2018, they presented their take on Don Quixote. This year, they took on the retelling of Richard III, a comedy drama that combines history and belly laughs as they explored the quote, Un the, as they explore, quote unquote, the hunchback king. <laughs> so uh, I can tell from the title itself, it's called Richard III, unrebothered. Um, and the troupe portrays Richard as an honest and loyal warrior with only a slight spinal kink, rather than as a conniving and treacherous hunchback. Uh, and this is a story of how, through the invention of the printing press, a good man becomes the first victim of fake news, and how the Tudor dynasty was built on a foundation of lies by the world's first spin doctor, Henry Tudor. Here's a quick clip from that play. What a festering pit of pointlessness I've ended up in. The king lies dead and I'm stuck exiled in Brittany, the Wales of France. <laughs> altogether too peripheral for the ambitions of Henry Tudor. But that's you. Uh, yes, I, I know that's me. I was being self-important. I have an itch, Uncle Jasper. An itch that I must scratch most assertively. Well, don't hold back on my account. I've raised you from a tiny babanaut. I've seen a lot worse than you itching your backside. No, no. it's a figure of speech, OK? It's a, it's a figurative itch, you sack of mushed old leeks. I wish to scratch it upon the stage of international politics. Well, blood's what matters in this game, boyo. And we've got nothing stronger than a king's widow running through our veins. So this is our lot. But you keep ranting if it keeps you happy. Oh, it's not a rant, Uncle Jasper. It's a promise. Wheels are already in motion. Wheels that will speed me inexorably closer to my ultimate prize. Being the first Welshman crowned King of England. 
So I don't know about you, but for me, there's a particular intimacy in you know listening to a character's thoughts with just their words, um, their expressions, the way yeah. they infuse life into what they're saying, um, and then our imagination builds on that. Yeah, it's kind of something like almost similar to you know like listening to an ebook. I would say I'm not very familiar with radio plays, mm-hmm. if I'm being honest, but. Um, I, I definitely want to give it a shot, especially the one about Guy uh, Guy Fox, right? Because I'm a huge fan of the V for Vendetta movie. So it's definitely <laughs> something I want to listen to. I do think you'll find that it's very, very different. different. <laughs> <laughs> but but I think there's something quite... Um, it's, it's an underrated art form, I think. Voice mm. acting is really difficult. Yeah. Um, I mean, we work in radio and, and even I am really impressed by some of the people they bring in to do our ads, for instance. Mm. You know, the fact that you're supposed to express all of these emotions emotions and tell a story with just your voice. Yeah, because I think if it's, you know, if you have the visual aid, it becomes a little bit easier, mm-hmm. right? Because and you're not leaving anything for the audience imagination. But this one, I feel it's a little bit more interactive in the sense that, you know, they have to, the, the creators have to, you know, go all in to you know, come up with all these interesting characters that can sort of spark your imagination with just their voice. Yeah, like that one just now about Zeus and Athena. Mm. Um, you know, for me, it's not just about it's not just about the uh, acting. It's also about the cleverness of the script because they are drawing on things that you are already familiar with. Mm. So it creates these like visual images in your mind. So if you if you know Greek mythology, uh, these little like clues or verbal sort of uh, cues that they give you. Yep. Um, immediately takes you to that space and then you can laugh at it as well. Yeah, because there are some that are actually really funny like from what we heard earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, the, you know, there is a whole host of dramas and comedies that you can check out for your streaming pleasure on the BBC. Everything from plays with Agatha Christie's Hercule Poirot to uh, Miss Marple to H.G. Wells' um, The War of the Worlds. You know, so just go over to bbc.co.uk slash sounds and, uh, you know, just browse through to your heart's content. So we are going to have to take a quick break but here's one last clip from the Penny Dreadful's take of the Odyssey. Um, clearly one of my favourites. Uh, this is the sirens singing their siren call, Love to You, on BFM 89.9. Movements, BFM 89.9. It ain't fair. It's hard when you're looking for love. And it ain't there. Well, try to read what tomorrow's. But it ain't clear. Because the well is running dry. Racial tensions running high. It's far too young to die. My salvation from the fire. 
Welcome back to Front Row Under the MCO with me, Sharmila Ganesan and Dashran Yohan. So that was The Roots featuring Bilal performing It Ain't Fair on one of NPR Music's Tiny Desk Concerts. Oh my God, Sharmila. I'm so glad you introduced this <laughs> NPR Tiny uh, Tiny Desk Concerts to me because, I don't know, maybe I've been living under a rock or a coconut shell all this while, but I... I, I don't know, I've, maybe I've heard about it in like, you know, in passing, but I've never actually gone through it. And, and But once you introduced, to, uh, introduced it to me <laughs> yesterday, I went down this rabbit hole and I couldn't wait to talk to you about it on today's show. So, um, well, you're welcome, firstly. <laughs> but I'm glad you like it because um, it's something that I, I think I sort of gotten onto a few years ago. Um, mm. uh, and it's, it's, it's been around for a while and we are going to be highlighting um, some of the artists that have performed on the Tiny Desk concerts in a bit. But first, um, maybe I'll just like give a little bit of background on what exactly this music series is. So Tiny Desk Concerts is a series of live um, but intimate concerts hosted by NPR Music, um, which is a project by the National Public Radio in the US. Um, and they hold it at the desk of, um, and I'm saying desk quite deliberately, literally <laughs> a desk of media personality uh, Bob Boylan in the NPR head office in Washington, D.C. Yeah, and the story of how this particular concert series started is actually rather funny. So about 12 years ago, Bob uh, Boylan and NPR music editor Stephen Thompson left a bar in frustration. <laughs> they had gone there for the live music but were unable to hear the musicians perform over the loud crowd noise as people were watching a basketball game. And Thompson, you know, just as friends would randomly quip that the musician they had just watched, which was Laura Gibson, should just perform at Boylan's desk. Uh, while most people would have just laughed this off, Boylan actually arranged for <laughs> Laura Gibson to do exactly that. And these guys actually made an impromptu recording of Laura Gibson singing uh, behind Boylan's desk with close to no equipment whatsoever. Only a couple of microphones and a camera and then they uploaded it and the rest as they say is history so let's listen uh, let's have a listen to a snippet of Laura Gibson's performance up with sunrise you'll be staring out through the window on the day I'll be another way King shadow cast on the covers of your bed. Give me another way. That was Laura Gibson in the first ever recorded Tiny Desk concert. Um, and what started off as a joke by uh, two quite possibly rather tipsy guys mm. <laughs> uh, has now become a huge phenomenon. Um, and over the past decade, more than 800 musical acts have been performing at Bob Boylan's Tiny Desk. Um, and, you know, what I love about it is how amazing the curation of these musical acts are. Mm. You know, just because it's played behind a desk you know, with minimal equipment, um, relatively unplugged, I suppose, yep. um, the team doesn't just limit it to particular genres like, you know, you would expect folk or country yeah. or acapella or something like that. Mm. But on the contrary, you know, NPR NPR's Tiny Desk Concert Series has a blend of all sorts of genres, um, including things like indie rock and hip hop, which you would never see in a context like yeah, this. Yeah, and that was the biggest surprise for me, right? For example, I watched this session by a hip-hop group called 
Tank and the Bangas, who were the winners of the 2017 Tiny Desk Contest. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, a quick aside, in 2014, NPR announced that it would host its first contest, inviting musicians to submit a video of their songs. So, they received more than six thousand submissions and the contest in 2017 was won by Tank and the Bangas and Bob Boylan said what won me over about the band's performance were the interactions among the lead singer Tariana Tank Ball and her bandmates and the way they seemed to surprise one another it all felt so organic and on the spot let's have a listen Down by the river where the green grass grow When the sun be burning, burning hot You take your penny house, don't nobody know where you go Just know the block just got hot When you see a trick, gotta be slick, gotta be quick Gotta get, 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 got Ooh, ain't no telling what I'm going to do tonight Man, I showed up in a room And, and then I grabbed somebody's room That was curious and class And then I took him by the hand I slipped Ricky in his vodka Next thing that I know, man, he was reaching for his wallet on the road I've been Uh, that was a short clip from Tank and the Bangers performing quick on NPR's Tiny Desk concert series. So since you introduced Tiny Desk to me, right, I've gone down this rabbit hole listening to a whole bunch of stuff from various artists. Uh, so far, I've mostly checked out the episodes with musicians that fall into genres that I usually listen to, right? So I'm a fan of hip hop, indie, some rock, mm-hmm. uh, even like indie rock and alternate rock, all sorts of <laughs> anything within those realms, right? Uh, but I've been told that almost everything is really good every regardless of genre and one of our colleagues Sue Ann has repeatedly mentioned that the Jonas <laughs> Brothers session is really great as well in fact she was giving us uh, all sorts of death stares right just now because we declined to play Jonas Brothers or <laughs> Harry Styles yep. or Taylor Swift <laughs> not that we have anything actually no you, you, you make a great point right mm. um, I'm not typically a fan of um, the Jonas Brothers or mm. Taylor Swift um, just not my kind of music yeah. um, however their tiny desk concerts are something that I'd watch I have watched quite yeah. quite happily there's just something about the vibe of of um of the way it's structured and they often tend to go outside of their comfort zones right. and perform in, in ways that uh, you may not expect they may use um, instruments or even just everyday items to to kind of add to the music and there's something quite fun and appealing about it. Yeah, it's very intimate, isn't it? Like it, Because when you see usually, you know, when you usually watch performers on the stage or you listen to their albums and this kind of situation, there's always some sort of production value there. And of course, Tiny Desk Concert does have some production value as well, but it feels like a bunch of friends just coming together and performing. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're not too bothered about how exactly they sound off. Although, you know, they are, they all sound really, really great. But it's more like they, they don't care if they don't mind if they make a mistake. And in certain episodes, you do see some of them making certain mistakes here and there. Mm-hmm. I, um, I'm, I'm thinking actually of many of the early Tiny Desk concerts. Mm. Um, there's one by the Cranberries um, and it has Dolores O'Rourdon in it. Yeah. Um, you know, I find it a bit difficult to watch it now because um, since she's passed, I yeah. actually find it quite difficult to watch any of her live performances mm. But um, I sort of had a quick look at it um, earlier today because I knew we were going to be talking about it. And it reminded me of how stripped down the early Tiny Desks used to be. Right. Um, not that the, the, the newer ones are any less worth watching, but obviously it's matured over the years. And, and even the performers coming, they kind of are aware of the format. 
Right. But but the cranberries one is a great example of just it's literally just these performers doing their thing behind a desk um, in a corner of an actual office. Yeah. And there's something so intimate and personal. Like Dolores looks like she's singing to you. Yeah. yeah. I think that's that's what because it Although these singers have already, they already have a way of, you know, sort of penetrating your soul. But I think here the impact is even more mm-hmm. because you really feel that, you know, although it's one of these big names, it's as if you are right there watching watching them in person, very close to mm-hmm. them, you know. Uh, but I, I got something to ask you, actually. What is it that got you into these Tiny Desk concerts in the first place? <laughs> That's actually a difficult question because mm. it was so long ago. Mm. I, I honestly think it was just one of those things. Someone shared a video online and it just seemed cool. Um, and I started watching them. Um, and so now, um, you know, a lot of people share particular ones as well. Mm. And so they become big. Um, one of the earliest ones actually that I remember watching, and I still really like to this day, is actually Adele. And mm. if I'm thinking back now, I think that might be one of the very early ones that I was introduced to. Um, so Adele, this was back when Rolling in the Deep and all had just come out. Uh, so she wasn't, she was a big star, but she was also one of those kind of, you saw her in music videos, you saw her in performances. Yeah. And to watch her do the Tiny Desk for me was lovely because the focus was so much on her voice and on her expressions and her performance. Um, that was a, a great episode. And um, yeah, I think it's a really good example of the appeal of watching um, someone who seems fairly larger than life uh, performing in such an intimate way. Yeah, and that's that's what I really, really love about it as well. So if you like to go down the rabbit hole you know, just like me and just like Sharmila, uh, <laughs> just search for MPR Music Tiny Desk Concert on YouTube. Uh, we will link the playlist in the podcast description. Right now, they have about 100 episodes uploaded already. So that should be, you know, enough to fill up your time nicely during the movement control order. So that's all the time we have for you today. But you can continue to share your thoughts with us at BFM Radio on Twitter. You can WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899 or on Facebook. We are BFM The bigger picture. So if you've missed any part of the show, you can download the podcast on bfm.my, on the BFM app or on Spotify. Coming up at 1pm is the Midday Music Machine with Ali Ali Johan and Othniel Thing. But um, first here is uh, well, one of my favourite performances from the Tiny Desk Concert Series, Adele performing Rolling in the Deep on BFM 89.9. Have a great day. There is a fire Starting in my heart Reaching a fever pitch And it's bringing me out the dark And finally I can see you crystal clear Go ahead and sell me out And I'll lay your ship bare And see how I'll leave With every piece of you Don't underestimate The things that I will do There is a fire Starting in my heart Reaching a fever pitch And it's bringing me out the dark The scars of your love Remind me of us They keep me thinking That we almost had it all The scars of your love They leave me breathless I can't help feeling We could have had it all You have my heart inside of me, oh, and 
us they keep me thinking that we almost had it all the scars of your love then leave me breathless i can't help feeling Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.